We have so much to talk about. I'm so glad I could stream today. I've got my camera back and I'm so glad that we could stream because on the one hand, markets are rallying because of amazing inflation numbers. On the other hand, I've got some huge updates for you about the FTX situation. We're going to cover the entire, entire, entire FTX story from who's affected, which funds, uh, users, how to get your money out, what to do if you have money in FTX. We're going to cover the whole thing today. So it's going to be, a, it's an unscheduled trip. It's a longer show than usual because we have so, 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 so much to cover. I finally got my camera back. You can see I'm not in the best location, but there we are. And we're going to do it. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, I get the guy go. Gotta wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, I can't tell you how good it is to be back. I'm so sorry I couldn't be back when everything was uh, happening in the last two days. But here I am. Finally, my luggage, which didn't arrive from Lisbon, with all the streaming equipment, my laptop, everything else in it, has arrived. So here I am, bringing you crypto love and crypto wisdom. And we've got a big show today. We're going to be talking about the FTX situation. We're going to be talking about the market pump. We're going to be talking about users who are affected by FTX and maybe potential ways to get your money out of FTX. We're also going to be talking about some people that are getting their money out of FTX and how. We're going to talk about how they're getting their money off FTX because it's quite, a, it's quite crazy how they're doing it. So look, it's not the perfect environment. It's not the studio. It is a little bedroom in my brother's house in London. But we're here and we're going to do this and we're going to bring you the highest alpha per show the highest alpha per minute show on the internet. That is for sure. That is for sure. Um, so listen, if you're new to the channel, subscribe to the channel. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're welcome here at the Banter Fam. Uh, probably the best fam in the world. You know, guys, I saw our subscriber numbers uh, now in the bear market. And our subscriber numbers are growing way faster than our subscriber numbers were growing way earlier, which is crazy. So welcome, welcome, welcome. If you guys are, if you guys are new and if you've been here for a while, Listen, do me a favor, since this is an unscheduled stream, I need you to help me. Uh, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, smash the like. Let everybody know that we're here. And you know what? Let's do this. Let's get the show on the road. There's so much to talk about. And I guess the first thing is, thank heavens, thank heavens for the good inflation numbers. Because if we didn't get those good inflation numbers, who knows where we would be. This chart could have gone absolutely the other way. But you know what? We were lucky. We've got, we got great inflation numbers. So let's quickly look at what the inflation numbers did to the market. You got Bitcoin at almost 18,000, which is where coming from where we came from yesterday is absolutely unbelievable. We had a low of 15,500. And wow, I don't know about you, but at some point yesterday, I thought the world was going to end. I really wish that I could come to, uh, I really wish that I could have brought you guys more, more, more crypto streaming yesterday. It was, it was absolutely impossible. Um, we're looking at the Dixie. Remember, we've been watching this Dixie chart for a long time. Remember, it broke through the parabola. And it broke below the trend line. Look at that chart on the Dixie, which means that what we have here is we have macro doing us an amazing, amazing, amazing job, which is, which is great. We've got macro doing us an amazing job. Look at what the macro markets did today. Look at the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ is up 800 points on the futures. It's the best day that we've had since the end of COVID on stock markets today. Uh, and this could be signaling a recovery because of the inflation number. So let's go and talk about the inflation numbers. Let's analyze the numbers and see whether the worst is over because it feels like what the market's doing is the market's telling you that the worst is over and that's why the stock markets are rallying with relief. Why is that the case? So let's quickly look at the numbers. Um, here is a breakdown of the CPI numbers. So the expectations for CPI were 7.9%. We got 7.7%, which is 0.2% uh, lower than, than what was expected, which is great because even in the best forecasts that I saw, 
I didn't see expectations of 7.7%. I saw 7.8, I saw 7.9, I saw some 8%, but we got 7.7. Core was also down 0.2%, which is also very, very good. We got lower expectations all around. Then, if we look at what made up the inflation numbers, also positive signs. So you can see that the energy numbers have come down. The food prices have more or less stayed the same. Goods and services have come down a lot. And the, so goods have come down a lot, ex-services, but services has gone up or, or remained stagnant. So this is the part that's killing the, um, the inflation numbers. And what you'll remember is, or what you would have noticed is that a lot of companies have started to lay off staff. So we had Facebook announce they're laying off staff. Amazon announced that they're laying off staff. Today, Coinbase actually announced that they're starting to lay off staff. So what that means is that the services number, the, the wages number should actually start coming down, which is a good thing. And so what this is doing to markets is it is making the markets realize that maybe the worst is behind us and maybe the Fed can actually start slowing down the rate at which they're increasing interest rates, which is, a, a, again, a very, very positive sign. We've been tracking the probabilities of in interest rate increases, as you know, and up until now, a 75% uh, basis point rate hike was always on the cards. But if you look where we are now, for the first time in months and months and months, we are at 85.4% probability that we're going to get a 50 basis point rate hike in, in, in December, which is the next Fed meeting. In fact, the next FOMC is on the 14th of December. And it looks like there's an 85.4% chance that we're going to get a 50 basis point rate hike. And that's what's encouraging markets. That, plus the fact that because of this, the terminal rate, which was... That means the rate at which people think that interest rates are going to top, which was at 5.25%, has come down by 0.25%. So it looks like the market is now starting to say, look, we've got inflation. We've got this inflation genie back in the bottle. And because we have this inflation genie back in the bottle, we could see, a, uh, we could see uh, the Fed slowing down. And the Fed have also changed the narrative. So it's not that simple. The Fed has also changed the narrative. And the Fed are now starting to say things like, time is now to step down on rate hikes. That's coming from Mary Daly uh, at the Fed. Um, Biden, he says that the CPI shows a much needed break in inflation ahead of the holidays. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's good to hear from Biden. Not that I think that, that, that I guess that makes a difference. Um, and some more people saying, you know, Logan said it may be appropriate to slow rate increase pace. Policy must focus on promptly returning price stability. So what we're getting is we're getting the macro markets pumping. That's, as I said, caused by the dollar, the Dixie, going all the way down here. I guess if we look at the 10-year US 10-year Treasury yield, let's look at the US 10-year Treasury yield. Um, there we go. It's the same candle over there. So you can see that basically people are saying, look, the inflation problems that the US is having are back in the bottle, or at least we're first, this is the first time we're seeing positive signs that the inflation numbers are back in the bottle, and so the macro can run. And I think that, I think I tweeted earlier where I said that if we had macro on our side, we probably would have got a Bitcoin pump to 30,000 to 30, today. If we got macro on our side, if, if, if Sam Bankman-Fried hadn't done what he did, we probably would have got a $30,000 Bitcoin today because that's how aggressively um, uh, markets were rallying today. So yeah, I mean, Th thanks, Sam. Thank thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Speaking of Sam, he finally came out, broke his silence again, and he finally came out. And he came out and he, in a nutshell, apologized. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Sam came out and he said, I'm sorry. That's the biggest thing. I fucked up and should have done better. I should have been communicating more recently. Transparently, my hands were tied during the duration of the possible Binance deal. I wasn't particularly allowed to say much publicly. But of course, it's on me that we ended up here in the first place. So we now know that his hands were tied when it came to the Binance deals. So here's an update about where things are. This is all about FTX International, the non-US exchange. The FTX US users are fine because they ring-fenced that whole entity, and that entity is regulated in the United States. And I think that Sam didn't want to mess with the United States government, so he ring-fenced ring -fenced that entity. Um, he says, treat all these numbers as rough. There are approximations here. FTX International has total assets, um, total market value of assets over collateral 
higher than client deposits moves with prices, which means that he's saying that the exchange is solvent. It means that if you've got money in the exchange, what he says here is that the value of the assets should be able to pay you out. He says, but that's very different from liquidity for deliver, delivery. As you can tell from the state of withdrawals, the liquidity varies widely from very, very little, from very, varies widely from very, very little, from very to very little. What this means is that people owe money to FTX and the money is not liquid on the exchange. That's pretty much what he's telling you if you read between the lines. And it could be that Alameda is actually the company that owes the money. So he says, look, we have the, the net asset value here. And, and we'll talk a little bit about this because I think what he means here is there are loans from other companies, aka Alameda. And if Al Alameda can sell its investments that it made with FTX depositors money, then they could actually pay out all the, all the, the users of the exchange. Okay, so the full story is one which I'm fleshing out every detail of, but as a very high level, I fucked up twice. The first time, a poor internal labeling of bank-related accounts meant that I was substantially off my sense of user's margin. I thought it was lower. It was way lower. My sense before, leverage 0x, USD liquidity, ready to deliver 24 times average withdrawals. Actual, leverage was 1.7x, liquidity 0.8x. So he didn't have a grasp of the numbers. He didn't know how much money was in the exchange and ready to withdraw. So he says, I was off twice, which tells me a lot of things, both specifically and generally, that I was shit at. And the third time was in not communicating enough. I should have said more. I'm sorry. And so where are we? Which sucks. He says, he says so it's so we are where we are, which sucks, but that's on me. And I'm sorry. Right now, my number one priority is making sure that I can do everything that he can do for the users. So right now, we're spending the week doing everything that we can to raise liquidity. I can't make any promises about that, but I'm going to try and give everything I have to make it work. Uh, there are a number of players that we're talking to, the LOI term sheets, etc. I'll show you some of those LOIs, and I'll show you a whole lot of other things. It says, every penny of that and the existing collateral will go straight to users unless and until we've done right by them. After that, we're going to go to investors, older, new, and employees who fought for what's right, etc. By the end of the day, I was CEO and I failed, etc., etc., this means going forward, I'm not sure that depends on what happens over the next week, but here are some of the things I know. First, one way or another, Alameda Research is winding down trading. They aren't doing any of the weird things that I see on Twitter and nothing large at all. And one way or another, soon they won't be trading on FTX anymore. So he's now disassociating himself with Alameda, which is, which is huge. Second, FTX continues operating. Its first priority will be radical transfer if FTX continues uh, uh, operating. Its first priority will be radical transparency. Uh, transparency, transparency, it probably always should have been giving. All the stakeholders who work hard uh, will take a hard look at FTX governments, will not be allowed, sorry, all the stakeholders would have a hard look at FTX governments. I will not be around if I'm not wanted. All the stakeholders, investors, and regulators, users, would have a large part to play and how it would be run. So almost saying that the exchange is going to become decentralized. So it goes on and on and on. And I think the last part of it uh, was a dig, which he made at CZ. And he said, at some point, I might say something about a particular sparring partner of mine, so to speak. But you know, glass houses. For now, all I say is, well played and you won. Now, I don't know if that's a admission that CZ won, or whether that's a threat to say to CZ, look, I'm not going to do anything now because we are where we are. But he says, he says, he says the word glass house. And if you're saying the word glass house here, it means, you know, you know that, you know, he says, but you know, glass houses. So for now, I'll just say nothing. But it almost feels like he's, he's kind of veiled a threat now at CZ and said, you know, I'm not going to do anything now, but, you know, for now you've won. But this is not the end of the game. So this is what, what we're kind of thinking. So, what do we know right now? Right now, we know that SBF is scrambling to find liquidity anywhere that he can to try and first pay back the users, or so he claims. Now, this is very important, that so he claims, because I'm going to show you a few things that, that maybe show that that's not exactly what he's thinking. There are three affected parties in this transaction. The first affected party is the users of FTX. The second affected party is the investors in FTX and the employees of FTX. And the third affected party is the investments that FTX and Alameda Research made. And we've got to talk about each one of them because each one of those actually affects you guys differently. If you were a user of FTX, 
you want to know how quickly you will get your money back. If you were an investor in FTX, well, you want to know if you're going to salvage any part of your investment, right? And the last part is if you invested in any tokens that FTX or Alameda were also invested in, then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's the question. And we're going to go through all of those. And so to understand where we're at, we've got to understand what Sam is doing right now. And what he's doing right now is he's running around trying to raise as much money as possible. He's trying to get a bailout for, S for FTX from whoever it can be. And I've heard from multiple sources in the industry that they are speaking to him, other exchanges, lending houses, even people, big Wall Street hedge funds outside of the industry. I got word that SBF has actually approached him and asked him to bail him out. And in fact, this afternoon, they were very, very, very close to a deal, but unfortunately, the deal fell off. That wasn't the only deal that fell off. We know the Binance deal fell through. And we now also know that the Binance deal fell through because there were too many skeletons in the closet. Too many illegal things were done in FTX. And when Binance looked at this in the DD, and you've got to take your hat off to Binance because Binance did a 24-hour due diligence on FTX. And eventually, they published a statement that they walked away. And if you look at why they walked away, they just felt that there were too many illegal things. There was mishandling of, of client funds and, and, and everything else. And they just said, hold on a second, we're not doing this. And then CZ wrote a mail down to a mail down just saying that, like, you know, we haven't done this deal. We tried, it was a, you know, try, we really did. It's a sad day. We wanted to raise the industry. Now, you've got to ask yourself a question. Do you think that CZ really wanted to bail out FTX or did he just want them out the way? Did he just want SPF out the way? Did he just want his spying partner out the way? SPF believes that CZ really had no intention of buying, buying um, FTX. Um, and he just wanted to have a look under the hood. That's, that's the feeling that we're getting, is that SBF didn't actually want, uh, um, uh, CZ, or CZ didn't actually want to buy it, but he was just looking under the hood. Also, I guess that if you think about it from CZ's point of view, if he were to buy FTX, and the rumors are that there's like a $4 billion hole in FTX. If CZ were to buy FTX, what would he be buying? He'd be buying an exchange, he'd be paying $4 billion. He'd be buying an exchange with a lot of legal issues and potentially a whole lot of lawsuits. And unfortunately, you can't buy the business and not buy the potential claims against the business. That, that wouldn't fly with any regulator. So he'd be buying that. He'd be buying a user base, but the user base, he's probably got most of that user base trading in Binance. And then he'd be buying an exchange. Now, the problem with the exchange is that I don't believe that if CZ bought the exchange, many users would remain on the exchange because... An exchange is all about trust. Specifically, a centralized exchange is all about trust. Now, imagine a situation where people, can you imagine a situation where people go back to FTX? Even if CZ owns it, if you want to trade on an exchange that's owned by CZ, just go and trade on Binance. What do you need FTX for? And so it didn't make sense to me that this deal was going to go through. And it doesn't make sense to me that this deal is going to go through at all. In fact, I'll show you what I think is going to happen. I don't, I'll tell you what I, th what I think is going to happen. But anyone that buys FTX today is buying a black box, which may be full of liabilities and shenanigans. And eventually, regulators are going to come. And they'll probably come for SPF, and they'll probably come for, for the exchange separately. So that's the big reason why I think you've got to be skeptical as to whether people are going to bail out FTX. That said, there's huge value in FTX. There's value in FTX because they've got users. And the value is much more valuable to someone who doesn't already have any, has an exchange or has a much smaller exchange and actually wants to take on Binance. And then there's two pockets of value because the one pocket of value is FTX International. But the other pocket of value is FTX US. Remember that up until now, FTX US has been ring-fenced from this whole thing. It's, it's completely ring-fenced. Um, it's under US law. SBF was obviously very smart the way that he structured it. He structured it. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the structure of the organization. That is the chart of FTX. That's the organizational structure of FTX. I can't even make it bigger on the screen. It just shows you what this 29-year-old, the 27-year-old built in a matter of two or three years. This is the organizational structure that, that he had built. And now he's going to raise, he's trying to raise money for it. He's trying to raise up to 8 billion. Problem is that this number changes every minute. Like 8 million, 4 billion, 10 billion. Right now, he's trying to raise money to rescue it. And I said, as I said, there's 
three affected parties here. And you may fall into one, two, and three. In fact, you probably, if you held FTT tokens or, FT, or FTX equity, you fall into the investors. If you held, um, if you held investments that FTX are holding, then you, you uh, 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 also fall into this category. And the third category of people that are affected is users that actually have their money in FTX. So let's quickly look at how all these users are affected and what will happen. So the first thing is, this is a cool um, thread around people that are affected. So the first thing that I see is celebrities. So what do we know? We know Kevin O'Leary. We know uh, uh, Tom Brady. We know all these other celebrities that are completely affected. In fact, Tom Brady once boasted that he invested $650 million into maximizing their stake into FTX, which is absolutely crazy. No wonder, no wonder Giselle Bunchen wants to divorce him or has divorced him because you put, if you're dumb enough to put $650 million behind SPF, well, then you're dumb enough to lose it. Uh, Mike Novogratz lost $77 million. He, he, I don't know if you saw, but then he went on to CNBC and he quoted a tweet which said that Nayib Bukele had the entire El Salvador Bitcoin stored on FTX, which is, which is garbage. He then retracted the tweet, but he did that live on CNBC. Um, crazy, crazy times, crazy times. We live in crazy times. So you've got the FTX arena. You've got all these sports uh, stadiums that the TSM, MLB, ICC Cricket, and GSW all branded. You've got the Formula One cars all branded. You've got Solana. You've got a whole lot of investments, which we're going to talk about uh, today. You've got BlockFi. BlockFi is an interesting one because BlockFi got a $250 million bailout from FTX. But question is whether, well, we know, not question is, we know that there is a loan from BlockFi to FTX. So FTX owe BlockFi, what I think is the loan value is about six or $700 million. And that is, I think, I think this, I think, I know there is a loan and I think it's collateralized by, FT, by FTT tokens. So BlockFi, not only do we know, um, not only do we know uh, that, that they got a $250 million bailout by the US entity, by the way, this is from FTX US, but they also have a loan to FTX. So let's see, the Voyager bailout is obviously now in question because who's going to take on Voyager? Uh, and, and so the list goes on and on and on. So we know that a lot of big VCs around the world, and this is not only uh, uh, normal VCs, uh, crypto VCs, also uh, traditional VCs, all highly, highly, highly affected, multi-coin capital being the biggest. What it seems like multi-coin capital did at some point was that they put, they put their FTX, FTT tokens on the exchange and they tried to sell it. And so they wrote this letter, which has been leaked out on Twitter, and it said, the last four hours in the industry have been amongst the most eventful, uh, blah, blah, blah. Over the weekend, Coindesk ran a story that leaked the Alameda balance sheet story. We know all of that. The story revealed two primary things. Alameda was using its FTT tokens as collateral on FTX for USD loans. The size of those loans, which were roughly $8 billion. So Alameda was taking the FTT tokens, putting it onto FTX and withdrawing US dollars against it. Uh, a few days ago, there was a public spat between SBF and Binance. We know what happened. Uh, and I, want to, I actually want to find the second position, the second part of the letter, because this is where, where it gets really interesting. So it says, direct exposure. FTX is one of the three exchanges that the fund trades on, along with Coinbase and Binance. As such, the fund has assets on FTX. While the situation was unfolding, we tried to withdraw as much of the FTX as possible. Um, we were able to withdraw approximately 24% of the fund's assets that were held in exchange before FTX held the withdrawals. Unfortunately, we were not able to withdraw the fund's assets on FTX Assets including Bitcoin, ETH, and USD were pending withdrawal and represent approximately 15.6% of the assets in the fund, excluding the side pockets and almost 10% of the total fund AUM. So Multicoin, 10% of the total fund, uh, fund AUM gets wiped out by this. And the other part, part of this is that they have an indirect position to, to Solana. And that brings me to the next part of of the, the people that are affected. So investors affected, we'll talk about whether or not you're going to get your money back. Then, if you are holding any of these tokens, let me try and open for you in the Google Sheet because I think it can be, it's bigger. There we go. So if you're holding any of these tokens over here, FTX or Alameda 
have and are holding these tokens. Okay, this is a list of the tokens that FTX is token, and this is the market cap. And let's just quickly look at, at what the value is. Um, let's have a look here. This is the market cap. Okay, so here we go. Um, all these tokens are affected. This is what they own. This is what, what, what they own. And you should go and have a look at this. Uh, I'll leave a link for it down below. You should have a look at it because if you're holding those tokens, you should really follow closely what's happening to those tokens on the market. Some of those tokens are doing deals on the side. Like we saw a deal that was done by layer zero. Now remember, FTX boasted that they bought all the layer zero tokens at the ICO, at the IDO. They bought all the layer zero tokens. And so one of the concerns was that the layer zero, uh, that the Stargate tokens would be hit by FTX. And so let's quickly look at the Stargate price and I'll show you exactly what happened. Okay, so this is Stargate, Stargate Finance on FTX. Wow, look at that. So look at that. So what happened was the price went down to about 23.8 cents. And then they made an announcement. They made a very, very interesting announcement. The announcement that they made was that, that they've done a deal with FTX to buy back all their tokens and all their equity and everything else. And when that deal happened, the price of, of Stargate shot up. So if we could just go there, that's the price of Stargate. And you can see the price of Stargate's gone up. I mean, it's gone up way more than 100% today, but it's, yeah, it's gone up 100% today. Um, and someone says Monkey Ball has a two. Monkey Ball is on a two. Yeah, so there are a whole lot of deals happening to trade Alameda out of the tokens. So if you want to be smart, and I'm going to try and bring you guys this alpha, I'm going to do my best to bring you guys this alpha. I'm going look at the tokens that Alameda Research is holding. And then work out what, how they're going to exit those tokens. Some they'll dump on the market. Some they will send back. And that's how, I mean, there's huge alpha. Because if you would have traded this, you would have got yourself hundreds of percent returns today. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of percent returns today. And as I said, there's a full list. In fact, I'll leave the, the list here for you uh, so you can have a look at it. Let's just quickly try to find that list again. So I've got so many tabs open. Let me close some tabs. Just makes it a whole lot easier to drive. Okay, so here, here is the list over here. I'll leave a list for you guys to do it, but let's look at some of the big holdings. Oh, they hold some BNB, not a lot. They hold Solana. We must talk about Solana because a lot, there's a lot of FUD going on around Solana and people worrying about what the future of Solana is. And I saw that Crypto.com stopped Solana withdrawals uh, today or stopped Solana trading on, the, on, the, on uh, USDT and USDC pairs. Um, Solana had... No exposure to FTX. That's the first thing. But FTX and SBF were big investors in Solana. In fact, we think that they own about 10% of the free float of the tokens. Also, FTX was the exchange that all these Solana projects were listed on and gave us a whole lot of liquidity, right? So that's like all the, all, all what's going on with Solana. And that's why the Solana price was hit very, very hard. Because number one, they lost a backer in SBF. Someone who's been supporting, let me just get the, the Solana price for us. Someone who's been supporting the ecosystem, been funding the ecosystem and stuff like that. Oh, wait, I don't want the Solana price on FTX because that, that, that won't work. Um, let me get us a good Solana price here. Let's get on Binance. I think Binance is probably the best. Okay, so the Solana price was really hit hard. And the reason why Solana was hit this hard was because the market realized that SPF, who was a big supporter of Solana, was now out of the Solana market. And he wasn't going to be investing. He had a whole lot of shares, a whole lot of tokens. And the exchange, which was the big exchange for Solana projects, which was FTX, now doesn't support Solana anymore. And so that's why the price came down. And the big questions are, what is the future of Solana? Now, this weekend, we're releasing a documentary around the future of Solana. But until then, let me say the following to you. Solana is going to go through a hard time. It's already going through a hard time. And the reason why it's going through a hard time is because there's an overhang of tokens, SPF is gone, and one of the biggest investors in the ecosystem is gone. And the second big ecosystem investor, which is Multicoin, has also been hit hard. And so their firepower and the ammunition to support the Solana ecosystem is no longer there. Now you've got to ask yourself a question. What is the future of Solana? Is there a future for Solana? 
And you know, we just came back from Solana Breakpoint. And one thing that I must say that we, when we were at Solana Breakpoint, what I realized was just how powerful and amazing the Solana ecosystem is. It's a whole lot of people with a whole lot of real world projects working. It's a blockchain that's fast. It processes transactions. It's amazing. And so my biggest thing here is that Solana is not out of the game. And at some point, Solana is a buy. It may be now, you may have missed the buy. At some point, it's a buy. And I think the market is hitting Solana very, very hard. And so for now, I must say, I haven't sold any of my Solana positions. I'm holding all my Solana positions. I think we did one swap from, a, from Solana main into one of the Solana projects earlier today. But otherwise, um, uh, we're holding Solana. The other big headwind when it comes to Solana is the fact that a lot of tokens got released earlier today. I think it was 18 million tokens got released earlier today. But as you can see, the market's absorbed them or is absorbing them, and we're back at $18. My point, my feeling, and no one can call this, but is that Solana has been slowed down. But given the strength of the ecosystem, for me, Sam backed out after, ju after just incubating it enough. And I think that it has enough momentum to be, to be going. And so for now, I'm holding my Solana positions. I'll let you know if anything changes, but for now, I'm holding my Solana positions. Okay, so that is FTX investors, and that is uh, investors in projects that FTX or Alameda invested in. Got to keep your eyes on the market because it could be a big unwind of all those tokens, and that could be a big opportunity. In fact, as I said, the opportunity is so big that if you can catch the opportunity, that's the opportunity that, awaste, that awaits you. Look at that. Tokens tripling. Look at this token. If you would have bought it yesterday, you've made 200% you've made return. So that's that. Lastly, if you're, an in, if you're a user of FTX, what are your prospects of getting your money back? Well, there's a little bit of good news. If you're an investor in FTX USA or an investor in FTX Japan, then you'll probably get all your money back because those two were regulated and ring-fenced completely. FTX International is another story. So when it comes to FTX International, what we do know is that they started processing withdrawals at some point. So they started processing withdrawals. We saw the withdrawals on chain. I tweeted about it and I said, guys, they processing withdrawals on FTX. Go and get your money out of there. What we found then is that it wasn't everybody that was getting their money back. It was only certain people. Does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me after what's going on. And if you dig deeper and you look at who are the players that are actually getting paid out from FTX. You have this statement. Per our Bahamian HQ's regulation and regulators, we have begun to facilitate withdrawals of Bahamian, Bahamian funds. As such, you may have seen withdrawals processed by FTX recently as we, compl as we complied with the regulations. The amount of withdrawal com comprises a small fraction of the assets we currently hold on the exchange. We're actively working on additional routes to enable withdrawals for the rest of our user base. And these withdrawals were significant. They were, they were very significant. Turns out that the withdrawals that were happening were happening into Bahamian, Bahamanian, Bahamanian KYC accounts. People that worked at FTX lived in Bahamas. The FTX structures were in Bahamas. And it feels like to me what's going on is they're paying their friends and family. So let's keep our eyes open for that. It feels to me like they're paying their friends and family in, in much more of a, 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 of a turn. Okay, then there are some other things that are happening. Some people are selling their accounts on FTX. So they're saying, look, I have an account on FTX. I have $100,000 in the account. Do you want to buy it from me? And there are Telegram groups that are, that are going around doing this and people selling their positions in FTX for fractions on the dollar. That's one thing that's going on. The next thing that's going on is Justin Sun. So what Justin Sun did was he tried to bail out the Tron users. But he did it in a genius, genius, genius way. What did he say? He said, look, we'll allow people to withdraw, withdraw Tron, BTT, BTT, Justin Sun, all, all the Justin Sun related tokens, right? We're putting together a solution. Then they put together the solution and we reached an agreement with Tron to establish an asset swap from XTX to external wallet. So basically saying, look, if you owned an asset on, 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 uh, on TRX, BTT, Justin Sun, you will swap it for you and you can get it out of the exchange to an external wallet. Okay. So what did people do? They started buying Tron on FTX for a dollar. And while on Binance, it was six cents. 
And then they were allowed to withdraw it, and they were selling it for six cents. So what was Justin Sun actually doing? He was allowing users to withdraw TRX and TRX20 tokens only. Users exchange their assets for TRX to request withdrawals. The price goes up 50%, 50x because, hell, you want to buy something that you can withdraw. Justin Sun deposits TRX into FTX and sells it to them. And FTX users then go sell them at a loss on other exchanges. And so what he's doing is he put money into FTX so it could be withdrawn and sold back cheaper. Okay, someone said Solana unlock was delayed, still coming. I guess so, and that's gonna and that's probably gonna hit the market. But that's priced in, guys. That's priced in. So that's what's happening in the market. That is, if you're trying to withdraw your money from FTX, that is what's happening for now. To be honest, I'm not that optimistic that you'll get all your money, but I am optimistic you'll get some of your money out because I think that they will be able to sell some or most of the exchange and some or most of the Alameda money ca uh, finance capital. And I'm hopeful that you guys will be able to draw large sums of your money on FTX. So that's brilliant. Now let's talk about some of the bigger implications. Specifically, the talk about, well, let's talk about USDT because what we think or what we heard was that there was an attack on Tether earlier, right? Remember earlier today when all of this was happening, um, someone said, how much money do you have on FTX? I tweeted and I said, get your money off FTX. I don't have FTX. We don't have an FTX referral link. We, we, we reached a disagreement with them ages ago. And the lucky stars at the banter community, the angels in the banter community were watching over us when we didn't get a FTX referral link. And we really fought hard to try and get you guys an FTX referral link. And we didn't reach agreement. And it soured my relationship with Sam. And maybe that's because the angels are watching over us. Because right now, if you look at the referral links that we do have for you, people like Bybit and stuff like that, those guys are very solid. We know they're solid. We know Bybit is solid. They don't have these shenanigans. They're not playing these games. Um, and so I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that that happened. But anyway, we heard that there was an attack on USDT. Um, it has to be an attack. And there was speculation that Alameda is the party that actually attacked USDT. And maybe they did this to try and get USDT to DPEG so that they could make money as a last-ditch attempt to try and rescue the exchange. Anyway, Paolo Adina came out. He said, look, everything's fine at USDT. But the interesting thing that happened around USDT after that was that the regulators asked Tether to freeze USDT accounts associated with FTX. And Tether did this. So this is um, uh, Tether begins freezing FTX USDT at the request of law enforcement while investigations occur. So this is, I mean, it's a double-edged sword because we've got a centralized issuer of stablecoins and that centralized issuer of stablecoins um, uh, uh, started to freeze the accounts of FTX based on the regulators. And let me tell you what happened in the last couple of days is going to give the regulators a whole lot of um, juice. It's going to give them everything that they need to come after the crypto industry. And up until now, I've always said like, look, I don't really like the regulators sniffing here, but I've actually changed my tune. After this collapse, after the collapse of Celsius, after the collapse of Three Arrows Capital and um, BlockFi and Voyager and everybody else, I actually have changed my view. And I want to share a view with you guys. I think that if you're in crypto, you want to be in crypto for the decentralization. You want to be in crypto because of the transparency and the decentralization and everything being on chain. And so I think that the industry has to divide itself into two parts. If you are decentralized, sorry, if you are centralized, then you should be governed with the strongest regulation in the world always. You should be governed like a bank. You should be proof of reserves, proof of funds, KYC, and everything else. If you want to be a centralized player in the decentralized space, you got to operate by the highest standard of regulations so that Idiots like Sam Bankman-Fried can't do what they did. People like Alex Mashinsky can't speculate with users' funds. If you want to be decentralized in a decentralized world, well, then the smart contracts and the code can govern that. And so for me, this, what this week has taught me or this week has made me realize is before I was away, I was always against the regulators. And now I'm saying, hold on a second. If, it, if, it, if you look at Japan and you look at FTX US, those users weren't affected because people were scared of regulation. So if I think we must get a divide here and we must say, listen, 
If you want to be a centralized player in a decentralized environment, you're going to face the same regulation that all the centralized players in the world face. Every single bank, every single financial institution, and even more. You're going to have to have proof of reserves like the banks, even more, even more. But if you want to be a de playing decentralized, well, you don't need a law because the code of the smart contract is the law because that's what it is. That's what I think. We don't want overregulation. We do want overregulation, but we only want overregulation for the centralized players. For the decentralized, we've realized that we can't trust the centralized players. We just can't trust them. The centralized players have all let us down. Sierra's Capital let us down. SPF, who would have thought that SPF would, be, would let us down? And SPF let us down. And so I think the regulators are coming. And you know what? They actually told us that they're coming. Um, the White House has got involved here. So, I mean, you had, you, had, you had the White House getting involved. You can hear this. Proper oversight. Uh, cryptocurrencies, they, uh, it risks harming everyday Americans. So this is something that uh, clearly we monitor and, and uh, that we see as an important, uh, important issue. But the most re recent <clears throat> news further underscores uh, these concerns and highlights why uh, prudent regulation of cryptocurrencies is indeed needed. So White House is coming for us. Gary Gensler on CNBC, he's coming for us. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Karen, she's coming for us. So the regulation's coming. Say what you want, the regulation's coming. And it might not actually be a bad thing because it will, it will stop these collapses. We want the centralized regulators, the centralized players regulated, and we want the decentralized players um, less regulated or not regulated, regulated by code. I saw some interesting takes, and I think we should talk about some interesting takes here. And, I mean, I think Jesse Powell from Kraken had a very interesting take. And by the way, they did have some exposure to to uh, thing. But he says, you know, like he said something here, which I thought was, was profound. He said, look, here are some red flags. The first red flag is acting like you know everything after showing up to the battle eight years late. He's talking about Sam, Bank Sam Bankman-Fried coming into blockchain eight years late and acting like he knows everything. And then using nine figures of buying powers for political favor and actually using users' money for political favor, being over-eager to please Washington, having huge ego purchases like nine-figure sports deals, buying, being a media darling, seeking out puff pieces. He says all of this just should have given us all the, uh, all the, um, the, the, the signs that SPF was actually going to fail. And I, I encourage you to go and read this tweet. I don't want to read the whole tweet now, but I encourage you to go read this tweet. The other thing is, and, you, you know, we're friends of Richard Hart on this, of, on this channel. We love the guy. I'm not an investor in Hex, um, and I am a small investor in Pulse Chain, but let's just listen to this. What was, what was FTX worried about? FTX worried about uh, DeFi killing centralized finance. Binance is worried about DeFi killing centralized finance. Unless they can get their fucking hooks in the DeFi, lock it up, and then, oh, DeFi is great, right? So, so what they did was... <clears throat> they did a vampire attack against Uniswap by duct taping on a shit coin to liquidity farming, which was sushi. I mean, and just listen to this. It's profound. They all listed ago. it on their exchanges rather instantly and farmed it themselves, right, to, to earn yield. And that was their hope of getting their corporate hooks into DeFi in order to like, okay, well, if our centralized play loses volume due to DeFi's, uh, you know, They'll censorship make, resistance. They'll make up for it there. Right. Then, the, then their fucking, yeah. their other plays will, will work. Right. And so like Sam is still doing that stuff from a different format. And, and I, I think, you know, some of the things, I think a lot of what he says does make sense, but just because the shit you say makes sense, doesn't mean you do it yourself, but people don't realize it. More yeah, people. Good. DeFi no, I, and removing exchanges is a bigger deal than what Bitcoin was built to address because where yeah. do pe most people lose their money? in these exchanges. And that's the part that Sam Bankman-Fried was fighting against. How do most people really use cryptocurrencies? Bitcoin is just, a sh is just the utility token for margin trading. That's all it is. The vast majority of Bitcoin transfers is people gambling on the price. So this is the only real use case crypto has is speculation. And the biggest pain point that people have in speculation are these centralized fucking entities. So solving that problem is a huge, giant, giant. Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX. Where have they bought advertisements? E-gaming. Various uh, e-gaming things. All right. And who watches e-gaming? Kids. And when they're old enough, what are they going to do? Margin this. trade. And how's that going to affect their life? It's going to be the worst thing that ever happened to them. 
So if you thought your risk of dying of suicide was really high in your 20s, because I think it's actually the most likely thing to kill you in your 20s is yourself. Wait till you throw margin trading in the mix. See how that goes. Now to tell you how bad margin trading is. So I, I don't I don't like uh, <laughs> things that are bad for now this whole conversation, this whole conversation started off with talking about getting kids addicted to gaming and sponsoring uh, esports. And so what else does he do? Oh, he's got an advertisement on a basketball stadium. Okay. So now he's going to get sport fans addicted to margin trading. Now he gives away 1% of the profit of his company. So that's like a, a drug dealer coming to your town and getting all the kids addicted to drugs and then buying them all Cokes after and saying, hey, I'm the free Coke guy. You like Coca-Cola? It'll help rinse down the crack. You can't cancel out eight units of harm with 0.05 units of good. It doesn't work. So, I mean, that was the rant that Richard Hart had around SPF. And he was right again. He was right about Celsius. He was right again. So, love him or hate him, Richard Hart has been right way more times than he's been wrong. Say what you want. And remember that he called the, Bit the Bitcoin bottom at 10 or 11 grand. And yesterday, we got 15,400. So, that's just a few interesting takes. Um, there was another interesting take. And I, I want to try and find this for you guys because I think it's super important that, that we... If we look at it, um, it was on a Twitter spaces. I'm going to try and find it for you. Uh, it's, it's a super, hold on a second. I have to find this for you guys. It's, it's a, it, this is a, a real big one. Okay. Hold on a second. Uh, hold on. Okay. Let me get it for you guys. Okay. So I was supposed to be on this Twitter spaces with Mario and his gang and he says i don't know if you guys saw this hold on i have to find this have to have to find this for you guys it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a theory but i think the theory is more right than wrong i just think that no one's had had okay here we go um okay hold on i gotta find this this theory for you oh man i don't have it i have to find it it's quickly to see. I know Mario posted it, maybe even deleted it. It was a theory about exactly what's going on. Uh, okay. No, it's not that. I have to see if I can find it for him. Maybe, I think he may have even deleted it. It was such a controversial uh, tweet that it may have been deleted or it may have just been a reply. So let's just have a look at it. Let's have a look. Um, no, it's not that. I think he deleted it. I think it, it, because I think it was so it was so um, uh, in, incriminating that it was crazy. But he gave the whole thing. I'll try and post it if I find it. Oh, someone said Mario deleted it. Someone okay. Someone said Mario deleted. So that's yeah. So that's pretty much where we're at. So that's the bad news. Let's talk about some good news because there is good news here. I hate saying it, but I think that this was the the Lehman moment of crypto, and I think that with the Lehman moment of crypto. We may have, may have, may have, may have, may have finally seen the bottom. I think that there are still going to be some deleveraging as a result of this, but I don't think it can get much worse than this. I don't think it's going to get much, much, much worse than this. And so I think that there could be buying opportunities now, and you've got to look for those buying opportunities. And I saw a couple of tweets here earlier. The one tweet was from Peter Brandt who said, look, uh, an 80% decline in Bitcoin's price. Uh, it should be noted that the current decline in Bitcoin as of today is only the first, fifth worst bear market in history. An 80% decline would be 13,800. Um, and then you've got Luke Martin who says, look, we're about one year away from the all-time high. Exactly one year away from the all-time high. We got our thing. So, yeah, a lot of people are saying get Richard Hart back on the show. We're going to get Richard Hart back on the show. Um, I just, I'm, I'm traveling back to South Africa. I'll be back in South Africa next week. When I'm back, I'll be back in the studio. We can give you guys some more shows. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to bring you some cool shows tomorrow. And you know what I've got for you guys tomorrow? I've got something amazing. I've got a banter for you. Who have I got on the banter? I've got Eric Fuhis, Jose Machado, and I've got Avishal from Electric Capital. So it's going to be absolutely huge tomorrow. This is, uh, this is going to be absolutely amazing. So yeah, that's, I think, what's going on. Let me just, while we're all here, let me just check the research group and just see if anybody's dropped anything that we need to read on the research group that is important um anything we haven't seen yet that we've got a banter research group 
Uh, okay, no, nothing on the research group that we haven't covered yet. I try to look. It's been a long show, but I tried to cover everything that has um, that's been going on here in the last couple of days. Uh, it's been crazy. Someone says, please do competition updates. To be honest, I think my account is wrecked. I mean, I, I haven't looked at it, but I think my account is absolutely wrecked uh, because because of the. I, I, I mean, I, I put a certain amount of money in, and I had. Uh, 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 after that money, I didn't put in any other money. Uh, I'll probably refund my account and actually do that. So that's it. Um, cool. I think that's it for today. Unless you guys have any questions. Banter fam is still holding strong. I hope you guys are all holding strong. I hope you didn't, I hope you didn't sell anything. I hope you didn't sell anything. Because, you know, if you didn't, I mean, if you sold, I hope you sold before the whole thing collapsed. I hope you didn't sell the bottom. Uh, I try to tell you guys on Twitter to, to, to hang in there. Hope you did. It will recover. Crypto will recover. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. In, in, in fact, it becomes even more of a case for decentralization because, as I said, it was, it was the centralized players that let us down here. It wasn't the decentralized players. Right now, as I leave you, uh, Bitcoin, 17760 Solana trading at about $18, depending on which exchange you look at it. Um, let's look at the FTT token. We haven't looked at the FTT token. We should look at the FTT. NASDAQ up uh, 11640 and then you have FTT. Let's quickly go to FTT USD uh, trading at $3.68 if you are holding those. Um, I guess that's it. Tomorrow we'll do, tomorrow what we'll do is we will do a banter. And then on Saturday, if I'm still in London and I can stream, we'll do a buying list if you are shopping in, the, in these times. Um, if you are looking for a new exchange, we're using Bybit, we're using BitKit because we've done the due diligence. We think they're good. We also know that they're not doing any shenanigans. There's a referral link below. You get huge sign-up bonuses. Um, otherwise, guys, I'm glad I could do this, even though it's much later than our normal shows. Uh, please share it. Let everybody know that we did the show. I need to get some sleep. As you can see, I'm a bit tired. I will see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, what can I say? Trade well, my friends. <laughs>